0: Well this morning, Jesus, who is the great counselor, the wonderful counselor, is going to help us understand anxiety. He's going to help us understand what it is, where it comes from, and how we should respond to it. Our passage this morning is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. That is page number 1505 in the Pew Bibles. It's the passage where the first verse of that song we just sung is found. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus continuing to teach his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, please open our hearts and our minds to understand your word. Help us to rest in the hope of the words of Jesus this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to admit, I had a lot of anxiety preparing a sermon about anxiety And the reason is because we are entering into a subject that many of you um, have experienced personally. It's something that, uh, that lands very deeply in your life, either because you yourself struggle with anxiety or because someone you know and love struggles with anxiety, and there's no way that I can possibly say everything that needs to be said or that could be said about this subject this morning. And so if, if something I say uh, stirs in you or you have a question about it, or if you'd just like to come and share with me your story, please reach out to me. Uh, I'm not preaching next Sunday. I got a little more time this week, so uh, reach out to me. I'd love uh, to sit down and to answer questions and to talk. Also, before we go on, uh, there's just a couple of preliminary ideas that I think we need to lay out uh, before we get into the text. Um, and the reason is, is because there are some people who would say that anxiety is entirely a medical issue uh, for which we have little or no responsibility. And then there's other people who would say anxiety is entirely a spiritual issue for which we bear complete and total responsibility. And so before we go, I'd just like to give you a a thought experiment that I think will help us kind of navigate between those two poles as we consider what Jesus uh, says this morning. And imagine that you were in a car accident and you were struck by a drunk driver, so not your fault. And you lost your leg. Is that a medical issue for which you bear no responsibility? Or is that a spiritual issue for which you bear complete responsibility? Think about it. See, the answer is both. The answer is both. Here's why. Of course, you're not at fault because you were struck by a drunk driver. Your loss of a leg is entirely a medical issue for which you are not responsible for, but now you are responsible for the spiritual issues which will inevitably ensue for the rest of your life. You are going to struggle, quite likely, with anger and bitterness and self-pity and grief and loss. Your life is going to be dramatically different, and those (laughs) scabs— of those feelings are gonna get torn off over and over again. It's the same thing with anxiety. Sometimes the reason certain people experience anxiety, it's not their fault. They endured trauma. Uh, Maybe they were born just with a predisposition to be anxious. But regardless of how any one individual comes to the point where we suffer from anxiety, we are still responsible before God to respond to that anxiety in a godly way. Anxiety is not the get out of holiness free card. We don't always choose our suffering, but once it's ours, we are responsible for it. So here's the truth to write down. We may not have chosen to have anxiety, but we are responsible for our anxiety. It's ours. We are responsible to respond to it in a godly way. My second preliminary point this morning is this. Our culture tells us that being fulfilled and happy and well-adjusted is normal. And because that's the bar for normal, anyone who is anxious or addicted Or depressed, we're told, has a mental health problem. And with that understanding, the goal of treatment ends up becoming, how can we help this person to manage or to eliminate their anxiety so that they too can feel happy and fulfilled and well-adjusted like the rest of us normal people? And there's a secular way of achieving that goal. Usually, it includes medication and therapy designed to help someone overcome their anxiety so that they can feel happy, fulfilled, and well-adjusted. There's also a religious way of trying to achieve that goal. People will say that you just need to trust God more. You need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more, and you won't be so anxious But guess what happens when people who are anxious try to trust God more, read the Bible more, and pray more? They usually get more anxious. They get more anxious because it doesn't seem to work, and then they start to wonder, what is wrong? Does God care about me? Is he angry with me? Am I doing something wrong? Am I even a Christian? And so the problem with both of those approaches It's not that there's anything wrong with medicine or therapy or prayer or Bible reading. The problem is the goal. The problem is that the goal is to be fulfilled and happy and well-adjusted. Now, of course, all of us want to feel that way. But Scripture makes it clear that is an unrealistic goal, this side of heaven. And many times we end up justifying sin in our lives in an effort to achieve that goal. Friends, I'm 43 years old. I, I don't think I'm ever gonna feel totally fulfilled and happy and well-adjusted. I've been trying, it's not, it's not gonna happen. So the second truth to write down is this. The goal of anxiety is dependence on God, not being rid of anxiety. Now, it may be that as we learn to depend on God moment by moment in this life, that we do begin to experience that peace that surpasses understanding. That is possible. But that cannot be the goal. That has to be the byproduct or the consequence because think about it. If having that peace, if being fulfilled and happy and well-adjusted is our goal, guess what our God is? Our God is no longer God. Our God is feeling at peace. And it's such a subtle shift because we know that we were made to be happy, fulfilled, and well-adjusted. But we live in a sinful, fallen world. Now, I do think there are happy-go-lucky people in this world. God bless them. But my guess is that for most of us, each day is filled with pressure, anxiety, fear, and possibly a low level of sadness that just never goes away. I think if we polled secretly everybody in this room, we would be on that spectrum somewhere. My other guess is that most of us rarely, if ever tell anyone about it because we're ashamed. We just assume that we're not doing something right. And so we try to fake it until we make it. And then we get stuck in a pattern of trying to fix it and then falling back into sin to comfort ourselves in it, thinking that we're somehow doing something wrong. So what's our hope? Should our hope be in somehow one day achieving this ideal of emotional and psychological fulfillment? Or does Jesus have something for us this morning? Does Jesus have a hope that is so much better, so much realer for us to sink our teeth into? So this morning, Jesus takes a turn from whether our treasure is in the world or heaven, which we talked about last week, to the way that we will feel if our treasure is not in heaven, okay? Two points this morning. One, why we feel anxious, and two, how to respond to anxiety. So, how, so why we feel anxious. Look at verse 25. Jesus begins, "'Therefore I tell you, "'do not worry about your life, "'what you will eat or drink, "'or about your body, what you will wear. "'Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. See, this passage begins with a therefore, which automatically alerts us to the fact that it is connected to what Jesus has just been saying. And if you remember from last week, the big question was: Who is your master? Is God your master, or is money your master? And Jesus is talking to his disciples. So his disciples would have reacted the same way that you and I reacted to the passage yesterday. We said, of course, God, I want God to be my master and not my money. Of course, Jesus is my master because he has freed me from my sin. He's opened my blind eyes to see. He's given me a new heart. Okay, okay. Well, if that's who we are now, and if our heart is in heaven, that means that the fruit of that reality will be that our treasure will follow and our treasure will start to go to heaven. Okay. The natural response to letting go of control of our money like that is to worry. That's the context here, okay? Now, the first reason Jesus says we feel anxious is because we are too self-focused. We are too self-focused. The word that the NIV translates worry here can be translated anxious, or it could just be translated concern. And the difference is the object, okay? So if the object is other people, then this word is translated concern. But if the object is ourself, then this word is translated anxiety. And so we know it's anxiety in this case because Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Because we worry about a lot of things, don't we? We worry about school, we worry about work, we worry about relationships, we worry about our health. Now, there is an appropriate amount of attention that needs to be paid to those things. And later, Jesus will say that each day does have trouble of its own. But anxiety is when we get too focused on our own life. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to have something to eat or drink or wear? Am I going to get into the right college? Am I going to get a job? Am I going to get married? Am I going to be safe? Are my tests going to come back negative? When these things consume us and we can do nothing about them, we get anxious because we're too self focused we're worried about our life okay the next reason jesus says we feel anxious is we're too future focused notice all of this worry is about the future that we have no control over what will i eat what will i drink what will i wear the people asking this are not starving and naked they're just overly focused on themselves and whether or not they're going to have what they know they will need in the future. And this is the focus of all of the anxiety in our life, ourselves and our future. This is why the Bible constantly tells us to lift up your eyes, lift up your heart, lift up your soul, get, get, your, get your focus off of yourself and your future and on to God. But instead, we ask, if I go there, will people like me? If I do that, will I be safe? Will I be accepted? Will I be hurt again like I was last time? Now, sometimes these feelings are irrational, but other times, people who have been traumatized or abused, it makes a lot of sense that they would feel anxious about going into a situation that has any similarity to their trauma. But remember, even if we have not chosen our anxiety, we are still responsible for it now. It's ours. It's not the get out of holiness free card. Now, some people worry about what they're gonna eat and what they're gonna drink and what they're gonna wear. And what they're really worrying about is whether they have the right wine to pair with their steak. They worry about whether or not they have the right jewelry to wear for the right occasion. And the truth is, that's choosing your anxiety, and that is actually irrational. But then there are people who who truly are worried if they are going to have enough food to eat the next day. But regardless of whether we choose our anxiety or not, it's ours now, and we're responsible for it. Next, Jesus says, if we're too focused on our life and our future, he says we're actually undervaluing our life, okay? And that's the third reason we feel anxious. We don't value our life enough. And this is the complete opposite of what we think, right? We, we think that we feel anxious because we do value our life. But Jesus asks, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Isn't your life more valuable than this thing that you're worried about? Friends, you are so much more valuable to God than just your basic needs being met. You are even more valuable than whether or not you are socially accepted or physically protected. We were made to be glorified with God forever. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that he has placed eternity inside each one of our hearts. We are so valuable that he is preparing eternity for us. And if the God of the universe who upholds everything by the word of his power is preparing eternity for you, you can probably trust that tomorrow is gonna be okay. And since he made us and he gave us this life and he gave us our body, we belong to him and we are infinitely valuable to him. Just like a painting is, is way more valuable if it was painted by Vincent van Gogh or Rembrandt. So we too are God's creation and are valuable by, the simple, by simply the virtue of the fact that he made us. We are so much more than just basic life forms trying to stay alive and safe. Jesus goes on and he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can you imagine how freaked out a bird would be if he had to stop and consider all of the things he had to accomplish that day? I looked it up. Uh, The average two-pound bird has to collect one pound of seeds every single day. Now that, to me, seems like a colossal amount of seeds to gather one seed at a time. Especially when you don't have cupboards or shelves. What happens when it rains? What happens when it's windy? What happens when the seasons change? I actually think if if a bird had the capacity to stop and think about all these things, he would curl up in a ball of anxiety. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Notice Jesus says, he's not their heavenly father, but he's such a good and gracious king that he feeds them. But he's your heavenly father. How much more valuable are you than they? And then Jesus says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And this is the fourth reason Jesus says we are anxious. We think anxiety accomplishes something. There are some cell phone companies that offer cheap services uh, with all kinds of restrictions, and they use the same towers that AT&T and Verizon built uh, for the cell phones. And anxiety is kind of like that. It, it uses the same communication systems that were built for fear. Okay? So if you're in the jungle and you see a lion, and he starts chasing after you, and then you run, what you're experiencing right then is fear, okay? Because the lion could eat you. But when we're anxious, right, anxiety is being in the jungle, worried that there might be a lion. Anxiety is borrowing trouble from the future about a potential threat that we can't do anything about. And so when we're afraid, there's usually something for us to do. But when we're anxious and our body is using those same communication towers, it makes us feel like we should do something, but there's no actual threat, and there's nothing to actually do except feel anxious. We just get caught up in a potential future threat. Now, this can be a very, very real experience for some people, and we should never minimize it, we should have infinite patience and compassion and kindness and empathy for those suffering through it. Especially if it's a response to something that happened to them that was traumatic. But even if what we're afraid of happens in the future, all that we've gained is worrying about it twice. We worry about it the day before when it hasn't happened yet and there's nothing we can do about it. That's what we get out of it. And then we worry about it the day of when we can actually do something about it. And so Jesus says it's pointless. He says it doesn't add a single hour to our life. Now, the next reason we feel anxious is because we fail to trust God. And this is a hard one. This is probably the one I struggled over the most because... It sounds like what someone, it sounds like what we're saying is that someone who is experiencing anxiety doesn't have enough faith. And no one wants to think that they don't have enough faith because it sounds like we're saying you might not be a Christian because of your anxiety. And this is why, friends, it is so important to have proper theological categories. I want you all to be theological nerds. And I am serious about that because the more we get these categories straight, the more we can think through things like what I'm about to say clearly, okay? To understand this, it is imperative that we understand the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification, according to the children's catechism that we're teaching my kids, is our declared righteousness before God. So all it takes to be a Christian is to believe and the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus on your behalf to pay the penalty for your sins and to give you his perfect righteousness that you don't have, okay? And when we believe that, and Jesus gives us the perfect righteousness that he earned through his perfect life, God, like a judge, declares us not guilty. He declares that we are righteous. We're not actually righteous. We're a bunch of big sinners. But God, by speaking the word that you are not guilty, makes us righteous. And in that moment, when we believe, we become a child of God. We're welcomed into his family. Our sins are forgiven. And all it takes to be justified is any faith whatsoever. The the barest, smallest, microscopic amount of faith justifies you and makes you a child of God, if all you can do is barely say to yourself, I believe, I believe you are saved, you're justified. Because it doesn't matter how much faith we have, it matters who our faith is in, okay? But sanctification is very different. Sanctification is our gradual, growing righteousness. Sanctification is the gradual, slow process where over time we become more holy and more like Jesus and more knowledgeable about his law and his ways and his will for us in life. And as we grow in our faith, in sanctification, as we grow in our ability to trust God, and as we grow in our ability to place our confidence more and more on him, we grow in those things, and we can truly be said, it can truly be said that at one point we had little faith, and now we have more. We can never be more justified than we are when we first believe, but throughout our life, we will become more sanctified. And as we become more sanctified, guess what happens? We become more aware of our sin. We become more aware of what sin is. And as we do that, we see that our anxiety is a lack of faith. Not a lack of saving, justifying faith, but a lack of growing faith sanctifying faith. And we may not have chosen the experiences in our life that led us to have anxiety, but we are now responsible for it. And anxiety is by definition, the act of focusing too much on ourselves and not trusting God for the future. So lift up your eyes, church, lift up your hearts, lift up your soul, God has a banquet table of peace and we are trying to find food in the dumpster by ourselves for our future when God is inviting us by our anxiety. And that's the thing we're gonna get to next. Our anxiety is actually his invitation to us to come to him and to seek him first. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Friends, our God is so good. He is so loving he is in such complete control of all things, if we could deeply believe how safe we are every moment in his loving arms, we would never feel anxious again. I, uh, I, I don't have very good balance. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I tried to ride a skateboard. I literally couldn't do it. I, this is how I've been my whole life. I've I've looked really clumsy before in my life uh, because of my lack of balance. Uh, so I generally try not to do things that would reveal to people uh, my, my lack of balance. But one time, about five years ago, I climbed to the top of uh, Kennedy Peak with some friends. And uh, I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm conscious of the fact that I don't have very good balance. And so when we got to the top, my brother-in-law, who is afraid of heights, he literally just sat on the edge and didn't even stand up. Uh, But I would walk around in the middle up there because I just loved the view. But anytime I got close to the edge, I would start to get dizzy and wobbly and all of a sudden I get this fear that I'm gonna fall off, okay? Fast forward to two weeks ago. I'm at Mount Hermon for family camp with my family and my son wants to do the ropes course. Now the ropes course there at Mount Hermon has gotta be 50 or 100 feet off the ground. And I'm strapped in with this whole body harness. I have these two like little like crab claws that I hook onto these wires, and I felt so free. I felt so safe. I was up there walking on a high wire. I was jumping from swinging logs to other swinging logs. I was like Tarzan swinging from one thing to another, and I never worried, not once, that I was going to fall, because you can only unclip one thing at a time. So no matter what, this mag- magnetic thing is in place to where you could never have both of your things unclipped. And it was amazing, you guys. All because I knew how safe I really was. That is what it's like to grow in our knowledge and our trust of God. When we know and trust how safe we really are, it changes how we feel, just like it changed how I felt. But... If we keep telling ourselves that our anxiety can't possibly be lack of faith because we're confusing justification and sanctification, it actually interrupts the whole thing. And we'll never learn to trust God because we've misdiagnosed our problem. When it comes to justification, all of us have enough faith. We're all good enough Christians. But when it comes to sanctification, none of us are good enough Christians. None of us have enough faith. So when we feel anxious, anxiety is a reminder to lean into who God says he is. And remember, the goal is not to stop feeling anxious. That's not the goal. The goal is not to feel happy and fulfilled and and well-adjusted. The goal is to learn dependence on God, to discover How, in the midst of our anxiety, we can lean into who God says he is. And since none of us have enough faith, and none of us are good enough Christians, we can just admit that and cling to his grace. We can admit how anxious and sad and fearful we really are day in and day out, how desperate we are to learn how to rest in God, how desperate we are to believe down to our very bones what we confess in our catechism. Listen, given all we've said, listen to these words. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. The last reason we are anxious is because we are seeking the wrong thing first. Truth is, at some point, we all need to seek food and water and clothing. We all need to pay attention to school and work and social relationships and the future and various health concerns. Even the birds have to get out of their nests and go out and find seeds, okay? But Jesus goes on, and he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans... Run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You see, pagans are the ones who are anxious about these things. This is why every advertisement on TV is all about social status, having the right food, the right clothes, the right drinks, the right car, the right life advertisements are just meant to make all of us feel anxious because people who don't know God have put all those things first in their life. But Christians, the truth is we don't have to worry about our own physical, emotional, or social well-being first. Yes, there is a time to attend to all those things, but we are so loved, so cared for by our heavenly father who knows we need those things that we are free to seek what is most important first. At the end of the day, we feel anxious because we are putting something else first before God. And here's what the feeling of anxiety is. It's like the dashboard lights in your car. They come on and they tell you something's wrong with your car. For most of us, we don't know what the squiggly lines mean. And anxiety is the same thing. It's, It's the dashboard light on your soul. And it's telling us, ding, 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 you've put something first. Something has taken precedence in your life ahead of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Anxiety is our soul telling us that we've made something more important than the things that God says are most important. Because if those things are first in our life, we will never feel anxious because those things can never be taken away. Now, obviously, we all have to grow in our ability to believe that. But part of the reason we proclaim these truths from the pulpit is because this is the mechanism by which God helps us to really believe those things are true. Even if we were born with an anxious disposition, even if we experienced the worst things in our past, which has intensified our anxiety, if we put the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, we can learn to rest in him. Not right away, maybe not completely ever. We may not have chosen to have anxiety, but it's ours now and we're responsible for it. And the best way to be responsible for it is to let it direct us back to what God says is most important. And our hope is not to be free from the feeling of anxiety. Our hope is not to live a victorious Christian life, totally fulfilled, happy, and well-adjusted. That's not even possible. Our goal is to let our anxiety bring us to God by faith, seeking his grace, his mercy, his love, his goodness. That's what it's for. That's why we have it. How should we respond to it? For some of us, Our anxiety is going to be so debilitating that we may need to find medication to help us relieve our anxiety enough so we can even think straight. There is no shame in that. We may need doctors and trained counselors to help us sort out why we're anxious, where it's coming from, other contributing factors, practical things that we can do. That's all part of the solution. I would just caution us all to remember, in our pursuit of those helps, not to put having a fulfilled, happy, well-adjusted life first ahead of the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It can be so easy to want to be rid of the feeling of the anxiety so much that we make that our God and we stop pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's like we think, well, I can't possibly pursue God's kingdom until this anxiety goes away. But the anxiety is the thing that God's trying to use to get you to pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. And so because our world tells us, well, no, you're supposed to be happy and fulfilled and well-adjusted, and we think, well, I can't possibly pursue his kingdom until I'm happy and fulfilled and well-adjusted, it parks us in a cul-de-sac doing circles where where we're totally focused on ourselves and relieving our anxiety. And God is saying, lift up your eyes, lift up your hearts, lift up your soul, not to relieve your anxiety, but because I gave you your anxiety to bring you to me so you could rest in me. God gives us the gift of anxiety to help us see that we have put something first in our lives in front of his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't let the world tell you that the uncomfortable feeling of anxiety is something you shouldn't have to feel because we can so easily make not feeling anxious our goal that we do whatever it takes to get rid of the feeling and we miss out on what God was trying to say to us by it and accomplish in us through it. The main purpose of anxiety for Christians is to bring us back to God where we are seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness. Okay, the first thing that we should do then is what Jesus says in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Notice there's no fix for anxiety in the command not to worry. No one ever stopped feeling anxious by someone saying, God commands you not to worry. Oh, good. Now I'm not anxious. Thank you. I didn't know that. Notice Jesus isn't even setting up an expectation that somehow our anxiety will be fixed this side of heaven. He's just helping us see that there are some things that we are not in control of tomorrow and there are other things that we are in control of today. Jesus says today has enough problems to deal with. Sometimes we're anxious simply because we haven't addressed today's trouble. If you come home from school and you go out and play and you don't do your homework, later in the day you might start feeling anxious because your homework's not done. Stop and do your homework and then you will be free. I have this app on my computer and my phone. It's called Todoist. I use it to track everything that I do. Anytime somebody says, oh, you need to do this, this needs to happen, I put it into my app. And the first thing I do every morning when I get to work is I organize my day. I move tasks to other days. The last thing I do before I leave the day is I clear out my to-do list. And even if I have to take a task and move it to another day, just the mere fact that my to-do list is complete for that day frees me to go home and to really be present with my family. Now, I don't do that perfectly. But at least it gives me a, a, a tangible reminder that I have taken care of today's trouble. I have taken care of today everything that I can take care of. This isn't freedom from work. Because there are tasks to do every day, it's freedom from worry that I didn't do something. So if you feel anxious, stop and consider if there's just something simple that you can do about it today. If not, then you are free today. But the only way we're going to be able to do any of this is if we get in the habit of seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Just think about all the time and energy and effort that we put into work and friends and family and hobbies and sports and shopping. We all know how to seek something first. Now imagine what it would be like if we put that same amount of time and effort and energy into seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness what would that do? Notice we're not even to seek first relief from our anxiety. Our anxiety is just there to remind us to seek first his kingdom, which means knowing our king, worshiping the king, serving the king, hoping in the king, hoping in his coming kingdom and the glories of heaven. It means proclaiming the kingdom to lost sinners so they too might enter the kingdom and find rest for their soul. It means working and choosing our friends and raising our family with the kingdom of God as the focus and the center of all we do. And seeking his righteousness is obeying his law. Sometimes Christians can be surprised when they hear this because somehow it sounds like legalism. But obedience is not legalism, obedience is just being a Christian. Legalism is trying to earn something by our obedience or making up new laws that God has not given in order to feel righteous. But seeking first his righteousness is when we stop pretending like our sin doesn't really matter. Sometimes we're anxious because we're in sin. If somebody came to my office and they were wracked with anxiety, and I found out that they were living with somebody that they're not married to, that's where I would start. I would say, move out into that relationship. Because there's nothing more peaceful than a clear conscience, which is why we must repent of focusing on ourselves too much. That's why we must repent of focusing on the future too much. We we start taking seriously who God says we are and who He has freed us to become, and we put to death our sin. We put on righteousness, and yes, we will fail. But failure is not an excuse not to try. It's a reminder how much we need him and how gracious he is. It's a reminder that he is our righteousness and that he has given us food to drink, which we will partake of in a moment. Food to eat, wine to drink. He's given us robes of righteousness to be clothed in. So we truly have all we need to eat and drink and wear. And he clothes us in that righteousness so he can make his father, our father. And so we can trust in him. My last question is this, when Jesus says that all these things will be given to you as well, does he mean that we will never go hungry or naked or thirsty? The answer I think we all know is no. It doesn't mean that. The grass does get cut and taken away. Birds do fall from the air. This just means that God can be trusted no matter what, because all things come from his fatherly hand, whether pleasant things or difficult things, and they're all meant for our good, for our salvation, and we can trust that. I'm gonna close with this last little line from the catechism. This is question and answer 26. It says, I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good, whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. Look at, how, look at how realistic they were back then about the world they lived in. God is able to do this because he is almighty God, and he desires to do this because he is a faithful father. Now, before we go, I just want to say, if I've said something this morning that maybe I wasn't able to close the loop on, or that left you with questions, I would encourage you to do two things. Listen to the sermon again. This was like drinking out of a fire hydrant. I understand that. See if maybe I did address it, and then come, and I I want dialogue. I want questions. I love sitting and talking. I would love to hear your story. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we thank you for this word from Jesus, the wonderful Counselor. We thank you for the truth that he has spoken so clearly to us. We ask, God, that you would give us the grace to seek you first, to lift up our eyes and lift up our hearts, get them off ourselves and on to you so that we may learn to depend on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.